0: This is a Blast Box Media podcast. The episodes in this feed were originally published on Crawlspace. Please use caution while listening and follow Crawlspace Podcast for more. Crosspace listeners the following audio was recorded on a facebook live video this afternoon being wednesday april 25th the day the golden state killer was caught and so we talked to mike morford of the criminology podcast and TrueCrimeGuy.com. and he's currently doing a podcast on the golden state killer so check it out it's about 27 minutes of Interview and chat about the Golden State Killer. So three things you should do. One, subscribe to Criminology. Two, order and read I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara about this case. And three, come see us at CrimeCon in Nashville on May 5th. We are gonna be talking more Golden State Killer. With Billy Jensen and Paul Haynes Who both helped work on the book And finish it after Michelle's passing So if you are going to CrimeCon Check us out We're doing a live podcast at 4.45pm On Saturday, May 5th So please follow us on Twitter We're on Instagram and Facebook as well Thank you Hello Facebook What is up? We are Crawl Space. I am Tim. That's Lance. That's Chloe. Hey, what's up? We're here in the Crawl Space Studios talking true crime. We are fired up
1: because we had our plans derailed happily by the news early this morning, and uh, we have Mike Morford here with us. I think I think he deserves to at least be the first one on this show to make the uh,
0: yeah make this announcement. So, welcome, Mike. Welcome, Mike Morford of the Criminology Podcast and TrueCrimeGuy.com. dot com. Hey, guys. Tell us what happened today.
2: Well, uh, the a uh, little bit of news: the Golden State Killer, Easter rapist, was arrested. Um, it happened overnight, and uh, you know they have DNA which positively links them. So it's a it's a pretty solid case, and it's. Uh, kind of mind-blowing to to wake up today and and not have you know some of the questions ha- i had yesterday <laughs> so many sure.
1: questions and so so many like different feelings about it um just you know just a little bit of news just the, one of the most prolific serial killers and rapists in american history uh, has now been captured. has now been captured on this is the f- 40th anniversary of his first victim is that accurate
2: It's the 41st. It's it's coming up on uh, 41 years. Last year, uh, 2016, actually, was 40 years. Um, So it's actually coming up on 42 years.
0: So you do the podcast called Criminology, and in Season 2 of Criminology, you talk about the Golden State Killer or East Area Rapist or Original Night Stalker. Those are all of his monikers, perhaps in addition to others. Um, So this one hits really close to home for you, right? I mean, you're currently still releasing episodes about this guy.
2: Yeah, it's... A, we actually recorded episode 10 last night, and while we're recording, I'm getting these texts and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, oh, this is somebody else contacting me saying that the the case has been solved, and I'm like, okay, I'll just wait till we're done recording, and then I'll, I'll check it out, and as soon as we got done recording, I checked it out. Within 10 minutes, I, I knew it was true, and I was like, wow, that's you know... It's, it's kind of weird because we're 10 episodes into 12-episode season, so now we're like, how do we segue into this and finish what we wanted to do and not miss any part of the story, but still get this information out there, so that's what we're sort of wrestling with right now
0: so okay take us through those those uh minutes then so you saw you saw a message that this case might have been solved and you kind of just ignored it and finished the podcast and then you said afterwards it took you about 10 minutes to find out that it was real take us through that what happened what were the steps you went to confirm that that was real
2: well the the first message i got was from somebody that i don't really know very well um and i sort of you know I, i didn't want to say i didn't trust them but i you know, there are other people that I wanted to check with first before I gave that any consideration, and then, you know, I reached out to one good contact that I have, and when I say, hey, did you guys catch a break, he'll usually say no, <laughs> you know, It's uh, but this response was a little bit different, it was, uh, it was more of a smiley face, so to speak, uh, response, so that right away caught my attention, then I, you know, a short time later, I, I checked with somebody else that I knew, and they gave me a little nugget of information and then, you know, minutes later I'm, I'm talking to one of the family members of one of the victims and we're sort of just days talking to each other. Like, I can't believe this is over. You know, it's, I mean, there's still a long ways to go because you have the, you know, the penalty phase and, and trial and, and all the other stuff that goes along with it. But at least now there's a name and a face to, to this guy. So uh, it's, it's, been kind of weird. It's been a weird uh, 12 hours, I guess.
1: And what is the name?
2: It is Joseph. Oh, geez, I forget now. Joseph D'Angelo. Um, I've only said said it and wrote it probably a thousand times today.
0: <laughs> so, Joseph. Um,
2: he's a 72 year old guy from Sacramento County. He's, he's kind of uh, a mystery to some of us because a lot of people have a, a huge list of names of, of potential people that might be. Involved in this guy, from what I can gather, wasn't on anybody's radar.
0: Okay, yeah, that was my next question. Was uh, was this a name that you had heard that had come up in uh, your work?
2: Yeah, th- this is a name I hadn't heard at all. Wow. Um, and, you know, there's some speculation out there about what he did. I don't really, you know, know for sure about his history of jobs and, and things like that. But, you know, there's some information out there that he might have been a police officer at one time. And then there's the Visalia Ransacker, which is a, a case that a lot of people thought was you know, the same offender in Visalia, California, prior to the East Area Rapist. And there's some evidence that he was also that offender. So, so this is going to just open up even more. Uh, I, I think in the end, it's going to be safe to say this guy is probably the biggest serial uh, offender in U.S. history. I think that's where we're going to wind up.
1: Well, easily. What's his? Uh, what are the stats on him as far as the uh, the murders and the and the rape count?
2: Well, they have him down for twelve murders, uh, fifty rapes. Um, if he is the Visalia ransacker, then um, there's a attempted murder of a police officer. There's a murder of a of a, a college professor, and he committed you know a hundred home burglaries uh, in that town. Um, And these are just what we know of. I I think there's going to be a lot more murder victims and rape victims out there that, you know, maybe will never be linked. Um, Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think he's just going to go down as probably the biggest serial offender in, in history.
0: Okay, and so there's a press conference that's going to start in about 20 minutes um, out of Sacramento. Uh, they're at the prosecutor's office, so some people in the in the Facebook live chat are asking. Patrick says there needs to be more oversight over public servants and government employees. The fact is, this guy was a cop for six years, Mike. What gives?
2: Yeah, it's, it's you know, a lot of people speculate that maybe he was a cop, and Maybe he had some kind of training or inside information. I don't know how much of that's going to turn out to be true. That's why I, don't, I can't really comment on how much of that is accurate uh, until we get all the facts. But, um, he, you know, from what I read, you know, it seems like he was kicked out for, you know, after shoplifting a couple items and kicked off the force due to that. Um, and then after that, I don't know what he did. You know, that's something that I'm sure more information will come out, and you know, over the next days and weeks, I'm sure a lot of stuff will come out about the guy. But, um, you know, some interesting things this case sort of stalled in 1981. He, he was offending and raping and murdering steadily up until 1981, and then he stopped. And then in 1986, he came out for one more murder and rape, and then he disappeared after that forever. Well, those two years, 1981 and 1986, were the two years that his two of his children were born. In. Um, so, who knows if that's going to have some kind of contributing factor in it? Uh,
1: I want to go back real quick to the things that he stole. The you said he was um, left the force because of a uh, shoplifting. Even what he stole was significant, right?
2: Yeah, the, the one of the things was kind of odd was dog repellent. And I don't even know what that is, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it sounds like something that the Esteriobus could use if it's something that, you know, hey, I don't want this dog coming up to me while I'm doing an attack. I want to keep him away. Uh, or his scent, maybe he was worried about his scent being um, tracked at the crimes, which he did use bloodhounds to track you know, the Esteriobus crimes. So maybe this was his way of trying to cover scent to to give himself uh, some extra time or some kind of protection.
3: Yeah, we were curious about the dog repellent, too, when we read about it, because it was something we didn't know about either. I have a cat at home, and I have cat repellent spray that is used to spray on furniture to make it so they're, they don't want to go on it. So we were thinking maybe he was using dog repellent spray, which is usually like citrus scented to make dogs not want to jump on you. So maybe he was concerned about um, a family dog attacking him, which had happened in the past.
0: Yeah, and he had abused some dogs, too. He stabbed one, as Melissa mentions here in the chat room.
2: Yeah, there were, there were instances when, you know, at different scenes, you know, dogs would be attacked or or um, bludgeoned, stabbed. Um, going all the way to Sacramento County, in some of the early crimes, there was a spree of um, dog bludgeonings. Um, so, and again, could that be somebody different? It it may be, uh, but you know what they say, probably not a lot of times it starts out as a serial killer. They're, they're killing animals to, to get started.
1: Yeah. And once, uh, if, if anyone out there, uh, first of all, thank you for joining us on, on this Facebook live, but if anybody out there has not read, um, I'll be gone in the dark by Michelle McNamara, it's such an amazing book and looking back on it now and looking at this guy's history, things just start falling into place. Like the fact that he, you know, was seen military crawling towards one of the homes and this guy was in the military. He was in, um, he was in the Navy and, and in Vietnam and, uh, you know, he was a cop for six years and you just said it never occurred to us on our end that he might've bought dog repellent to, uh, throw his scent off of any dogs that were, were that the police were employing to track him. That you know these things. All of a sudden, these things are just like starting to click.
2: Yeah, and I, I think at the end of the day, there'll be some things that where people will exactly that's what I was thinking, and that's what we suspected. But I think there's going to be a lot of things that you know people didn't expect that are going to come to light. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next you know several weeks, months, whatever it takes to get to a trial. Um, and see what comes out from that.
0: As Brian in the chat room says, I wonder if dog repellent could account for some of the odd odor being reported by some victims. And that was exactly where my head went too, uh, Brian. Yeah. What do you think about that morph?
2: Yeah, Some, some of the cases there were, uh, odd scents reported by the people, sour smells, things like that. Um, had a couple of crime scenes where the dogs were tracking this guy. Um, They acted very erratically, and they couldn't really explain why they were uh, acting that way. You know, a couple theories were put forward that it's possibly because he had a disease or he was a drug user, um, but who knows, maybe that, um, you know, dog repellent is something that could come into play in, in causing that behavior in the dogs.
0: Okay, so just to reset here real quick, everybody, the Golden State Killer has been arrested and uh, his name is Joseph James D'Angelo. And he was, uh, he
1: was arrested on two warrants for murder out of Vallejo County, right, Mike? In Ventura County. I'm so sorry. Uh, Ventura County.
0: And uh, guys, we're here on Facebook Live, and I don't want to stoop to the level of saying that Joseph James D'Angelo has a really small dick, but serial killer Joseph James D'Angelo has a really small dick.
2: Yeah, that's one of the that's one of the common traits that most people describe with him. So, um, you know, on, on top of everything else he's got to deal with, he's got that out there too.
0: Yeah, I can't wait for the memes on that one. Um, and I don't yeah. feel bad. This guy deserves everything that's coming for uh, coming to him.
2: And we well, talk a about of people said that in court he should be forced to pull down his pants and, <laughs> and show <Hey>. the evidence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, humiliate what... him. Exactly. Seriously,
1: you, you you set yourself up for that. If one of your identifying characteristics is a thin, small penis, and that's yeah. how people are going to identify you, sorry, dude.
0: Just again, to recap, the Golden State Killer, Joseph James D'Angelo, has been arrested, and he is a really small dick.
3: Yep. Yep. Uh- <laughs> Probably a micro penis. Uh, so, but let's Google not,
0: it. Let's not take let's the low hanging yeah, fruit here and just dwell no. on this. That's so let's move not, on, guys. No.
1: Let's. I, so I, I actually want to uh, get back to the. If you knew anything about the warrants that um, led to this arrest, that there were two warrants that they had enough uh, sufficient evidence to um, to arrest him on, based, based you know for murder. Uh, do you know anything about like the details of those?
2: Well, I I know. You know, I, I'm trying to figure what I can say without saying too much that I shouldn't be saying, but, um, you know, I know they've known about this guy for some time. I don't know if that means days or weeks, but uh, I know over the past week they've been really paying attention to him, and I, I think once they tested DNA and got a, a 100% match, they they didn't waste any time uh, in moving in and, and taking him down. And I still don't even know how they did it, if they just knocked on his door or they waited for him to come outside. I'm not sure how that went down. I'm sure they will talk about that at the press conference, hopefully. But from what I've heard, it was a tipster that gave them information about this guy. You know, some of the rumors are that it was one of his own kids. I don't know that for sure. Yeah, um, That's just a rumor going around out there.
0: Okay, so that brings brings me to that point there. So he's uh, this guy has two kids, allegedly, and, uh, and a wife or an ex-wife? I'm not sure about that. Uh,
2: I'm not sure if she's a wife or an ex-wife, but I know he's got, I think, three kids, if I'm not mistaken, and two of them I know for sure were born in that 1981 and 1986 time frame when he killed in 1981 and then again in 1986. So that's kind of, you know, the timing just seems interesting. Mm. But then there's there's so many different avenues that will open up now because in some of his crimes down in Southern California, for example, in Santa Barbara especially, um, he's suspected of, of burglarizing some homes in the area, and he was witnessed with a young female along with him. Um, so that opens up the possibility: did this guy have an accomplice? You know, a female accomplice? Was it? You know, you know. I don't want to say his wife. I don't know what their marital situation is, but if it is an accomplice, who is it? You know. So there's some things like that 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 need to be looked into a little bit
3: further. And I hope in like subsequent and upcoming proceedings that's not forgotten that there are reports of a potential female accomplice and maybe she can be identified.
2: Absolutely. That's, that's something that maybe she can, you know, maybe she was only aware he was robbing houses and didn't know he was actually killing people or raping them. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's something that hopefully they do get to the bottom of and see if he was the same person that was witnessed with the, with the female. And then, you know, maybe, That'll put some more puzzle pieces together.
1: In an article from uh, Heavy.com, it lists out some bullet points of uh, this guy in the case. One of the things that they talk about is this, this very subject, whether or not he had a wife and, ch- and children. And we know that the Golden State Killer was known to call and taunt uh, the surviving victims after the attacks and i didn't realize this uh but in um according to the police in in one call the victim said a woman and children could be heard in the background leading to speculation that the suspect was married with kids so we're talking about someone who might have done this in the living room while his wife and kids were in the kitchen or something
2: yeah and that's that's a possibility i know in one instance there's a call that was actually recorded where it sounded like a woman and children talking but that actually turned out to be um something in the background on the television show that was, you know, being watched by the person that received the phone call. So, Ah. you know, it's possible that that there were women and children in some of the calls. Um, I I know at one of the crime scenes, um, the person, the victim thought that he said, Bonnie, you know, Bonnie doesn't like it when I do this stuff. And he was very specific about the name Bonnie. Well, you know, one thing I found today myself when I was searching was that this guy was engaged to a, a girl named Bonnie. That uh, they had an announcement in the newspaper, and then they never went through with the marriage. Wow! Coincidence? You know, maybe not. Maybe
0: probably not. Maybe
2: she was the the, the motivation for this. Who knows?
0: But yeah, yeah, exactly. But it doesn't mean that she was with him. Doesn't mean she was as accomplished, but uh, accomplished, but could have absolutely been part of the motivation. Sure. Haley in the chat room says, how long do you think he could have been on their radar, meaning law enforcement? And uh, I think the answer is it, it can't be very long, right? Because they've had uh, this guy's DNA for a long time, but they never had this positive match, right? So I know it's kind of difficult trying to piece how they got him uh, together, but they couldn't have known about this guy very long, right?
2: Yeah, I think it was probably, if I had a guess, I'd say it over the past few weeks. Um, again, I'm going to try and get some more clarification on that, but I think this is something that came along, uh, you know, not yesterday, but I think they've been working on it for for uh, some time now. Um, but I think over the past week or so, they really zeroed in on him and and got down to taking him
1: down. He was arrested in Citrus Heights, which is how far away from his or the Golden State Killer's stomping grounds. What I'm asking is, how long did he stay in that area?
2: Well, the Golden State Killer, when he was in Sacramento County, he was bouncing back and forth between uh, Rancho Cordova, Sacramento, uh, Carmichael, Citrus Heights. He was bouncing back and forth all over the place. And he attacked in Citrus Heights. Um, so that entire county was, you know, the eastern half of it at least wasn't off limits to him. He was bouncing around pretty, pretty good um so he lived in some of the areas where he you know struck
0: do you think i mean all this attention lately on this case your podcast um michelle's book i know there's a couple of documentaries about the case that have uh, come out in the past year or so i have to ima- we have to imagine uh, all this helped contribute to uh him being caught
2: right i think so that's my gut feeling is that You know, especially for younger people, younger people that are probably, you know, 30 years old or less might not have been that familiar with this case. And I think seeing this, you know, seeing these shows, hearing about these different podcasts, these books, maybe inspired somebody to take a closer look and say, hey, that sounds like it could be my dad or my uncle or or something like that. Um, So I think having the, the attention that it's had over the past year and a half, two years has really, really helped the case to to reach a bigger audience and maybe led to the lead that, that brought this guy down.
0: Just like for some perspective here, right? Like, uh, this book, the I'll be gone in the dark, like me and Lance were talking about it earlier. Like, uh, like this book was already kind of the modern day in cold blood, but, uh, for God's sake, like this, this makes it like, like an epic legendary book at this point.
2: Oh yeah. It's, it's the timing is, is, is pretty good. Um, for it to come out, and then you know you have the drama of the author not being around to see it, you know, conclusion and the case being solved. Um, so it's definitely going to add some some uh, unique perspective to the
1: to the book. We were just talking about how uh, whether or not uh, the attention from your podcast, the book, uh, just the renewed uh, attention that this case has, whether that contributed to. Um, a higher focus and his arrest uh we know by reading the book that michelle had direct contact with police and they worked together and they were um uh they had a good relationship and just because of that the the books made your podcast is out there you're going to crime con um I don't know where. Well, I don't really have much of a point other than it. It's so exciting to be in this realm that you can, you know, wake up in the morning and you have this news. And I'm just excited for you for doing the yeah. doing the podcast and and having some fruits of your labor be right there. Paul Haynes, who was one of the contributors to finishing Michelle's book, Billy Jensen, who was the one of the contributors uh, to finishing her book, um, and Pat Oswald, her husband, who has just been supporting her book since her death. And uh, it's just it's it's just fucking amazing that we can be in this <laughs> in this world where we dropped everything today and forty years of of terror has been has been arrested.
0: Yeah, I mean there was nothing else we could have talked about today. Like we had planned to talk about a few other cases today on this live show. We had planned this live show, but we uh, realized very quickly this morning, probably before the seven o'clock hour <laughs> this morning, that we couldn't talk about anything but this. Right uh today. So yeah, congratulations, Mike. This is uh an amazing day. I, I know this is gonna be a day that you'll remember forever. And uh just want to say congratulations on all the work you've done and uh really appreciate you helping put this uh motherfucker uh to uh to bed.
2: I I definitely appreciate you guys having me on and helping spread the word about the case and it's it's you know it's good to get some good news dealing with so much shitty cases and and murders and missing people and uh, i know you guys feel it doing the work you do so every once in a while they get some some good news is it it definitely
1: makes you feel good seriously i i cannot wait to hear about this guy and find out more you know more of these details and before before they do whatever they're going to do to him in prison however that pans out we need to know what his brain's like.
3: Yep, and I think they're tearing apart his house as we speak, and I read that he's lived there for two decades, so I hope a lot of fruitful information is uncovered.
2: Fingers crossed. Yeah.
0: So thanks for joining us, Mike. Uh, we'll let you go now. I know you're exhausted. Uh been up most of the night um, dealing with this. So, again, congratulations. What, a, what amazing news this morning. Um, so this is... Uh, Pretty pretty awesome. So, congrats, and we'll uh, we'll see you next week at Crime Con, Mike.
2: Thanks, guys. I'll see you there.
0: All right, thank you. Awesome. Bye. Take care. All right.
3: Sarah, you're awesome. Uh, Sarah Turney
0: <laughs> in the uh, in the Facebook Live. Sarah Turney. If if you guys have not listened to the podcast "Missing Alyssa," that is a must listen. Um, it is uh, about Sarah Turney's. Um, sister Alyssa Turney who uh, went missing in 2001
1: and so we had a little breaking news with, with that today today was um, uh, Missing Alyssa's uh, episode release featuring uh, Michael Turney so if if, if anyone hasn't uh, listened to that yet it is truly fascinating yeah.
3: she finally got him to talk he's broken his silence um, yeah. can't recommend this podcast anymore
0: yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, and but, so the uh, press conference is about to go about to happen. So just okay. to let you know, we're going to go to it at, at some point in the next few minutes. Go ahead, Lance. What are you going to say?
1: I I, want th- to I want to talk about the coincidences that happened all surrounding her uh, th- uh, the Golden State Killers capture. Yeah. The fact that Billy Jensen, Patton Oswald, um Paul Haynes, uh, uh, Gillian Flynn. Flynn. Flynn, uh, who did the wonderful reading of the book, they were all gathered. The family, the the people who contributed to the book, they were all gathered last night <laughs> at an event for the for the book, and they got the news together this morning.
0: Yeah, it was a pretty amazing um, picture that that uh, was was out there um, last night of Billy uh, Paul, who helped finish the book, and Patton Oswald and and uh, Gillian Flynn, who wrote the foreword and read read the audio book. Pretty cool. Just together, coincidentally. Um, right now, I just want to play you, before this press conference starts, I just want to play you this uh, video from uh, Pat Oswald, um, Michelle's husband, who uh, Instagrammed um, a little bit of his feelings.
2: I'm flying to uh, New York right now from Chicago. Um, this is insane. It uh, looks like they've caught the East Area Rapist, and if that's true, they've caught the Golden State Killer. So... Uh, I think you got him, Michelle.
0: When a person goes missing, their loved ones often find themselves overcome with worry and grief. Bruce Maitland started the 501C3 nonprofit organization Private Investigations for the Missing because he knows this feeling all too well.
1: When Bruce's daughter Brianna disappeared in March 2004, he was surrounded by licensed private investigators dedicated to finding her.